This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Fitz, and if you don't know who I am, here's a quick bio. Veteran sports journalist who writes, does TV, radio, and is a longtime podcaster. Also, I have stage 4 prostate cancer, so my doctors advise me to stay home during these COVID-19 concerns. So what am I doing with my time? I'm calling some of the many friends, athletes, coaches, and colleagues who have been part of my life during more than 30 years in journalism. Oh, and I'm hitting the record button. Welcome to my life and the Life of Fitz podcast. As a basketball player, Clint Stewart was always described as a coach on the floor. Not that Clint couldn't make big-time plays, but he was so wise when he was on the court. He came to Kansas State from Tulsa to play for Jim Wildridge and ended his career with seasons under Bob Huggins and Frank Martin. That was like taking a college basketball masterclass in coaching. And now Stewart is a high school coach in Oklahoma, but that's just his side gig. When Stewart left K-State, he went to work for Phillips 66 in Bartlesville, and he's been climbing the ranks with the company ever since. Stewart's importance during a critical transition period for the Kansas State basketball program is not explained by his statistics. He averaged around six points and a little more than three assists a game over his four-year career. But he was a leader and a foundation player as Kansas State shifted from the struggles of the Tom Asbury and Woldridge years into the success found under Huggins, Martin, and now Bruce Weber. For example, he took pressure off the freshman version of Jacob Pullen while he learned the game, and Pullen ended up growing into the school's all-time leading scorer. Other than a quick hello after a K-State game or a social media interaction, I have not had a meaningful exchange with Clint since he departed Manhattan. That's about to change as I call former K-State basketball player Clint Stewart in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. Hey, Chubb, how are you doing? Brother, how are you doing, man? Oh, I can't complain. These are weird times. This is perfect timing yeah. to have you on. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap. It's, uh, it's definitely uh, not ideal for anyone during you know, this time, but no. uh, we all have to, to manage it and, and work through it. Yep. So before we get in-depth on all the stuff going on, bring me and everyone listening up to date on your life since you left K-State. Yeah, so uh oh man, it seems like it's just been uh you know, in some in some situations just the other day and other some situations uh, a long, long time ago. Um, but you know, obviously twelve years uh, removed and then living in Bartlesville, Oklahoma. Um very fortunate working for a great company in Phillips sixty six, uh, oil and gas company and um 
uh, you know, as a, as a business analyst for our IT function. Uh, so that, that's been great. And, and living in a, a little bit smaller town, able to, to double up and also be the head basketball coach uh, at, the, at the 6A varsity level for Bartlesville High School. Um, so that's been that's been great going on my seventh year now of, of coaching boys at, at that level. And, uh, and then, of course, you know, family, married with my, to my wife, got three kids now. And, um, you know, they're, they're growing each and every day, two girls and then a boy. So they're uh, uh, there's they're seven, five and, and two or about to be two, I should say. So uh, life, life is good. Life is moving, uh, which I enjoy. You did it right. You didn't mess around. You got out of school, jumped right into a great job and just started climbing. That, that's it. That's it. So it's been, uh, I've been very, very fortunate, very blessed. What's it like coaching high school basketball? Oh man. I tell you, it's, it's, uh, as with everything, there's good days and there's bad days. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but it, it's been, it's been a lot of fun though, you know, and, and having the ability to, to work with kids and, um, be able to share, you know, knowledge of the game and knowledge of life and things that I've learned, uh, from, you know, my coaches at Kansas state with, with Frank Martin, Bob Huggins and Jim Moldridge too. Um, you know, my high school coaches that coach me and, and Rudy Garcia and Sammy Mack and, uh, Kermit Holmes and, and the guys that coach me at AAU level, you know, be able to share experiences and, and life lessons that I've learned, um, you know, w- w- with these kids, um, I wouldn't trade it for the world. You know, it's, um, it's rewarding. It's very rewarding, you know, and even in the, the tough times of, of, of losing ball basketball games or things not going the, the way we want it to, you know, we can, uh, come back the next day and, and get right back after it and then try to prepare the right way and, and try to have fun. And, um, you know, and that, that's what I really enjoy. So, uh, it's good. It's good. I, I can tell you kids are changing each and every day. Um, so I'm having to adjust. I'm having to, to manage, to manage that. Um, so it's, it's helping me learn about myself as well. And I think, I think that's, that's obviously positive, positive there. Where were you at in your season when the whole COVID shutdown happened? Yeah. So we were, we actually just finished up, so we didn't make it to, to state okay. this year. And so, um, you know, so, so we, we, we just finished up. Luckily, I'm going to feel bad for the teams that did make it to state because they weren't able to, to play, um, you know, the, the state games and play for the state championship as, you know, at the 6A level in Oklahoma, the top eight teams in the, in the state, uh, you know, make it to state. So, um, you know, and I have obviously several friends and their coaches that, that were, you know, a chance, a couple of them had a chance to win it this year. Um, and so, uh, I know that was really tough, tough for them and tough for their kids. just not getting that opportunity, uh, to see if they can finish, you know, what they started at the beginning of the year. And, um, so I definitely feel, feel for them, but, um, you know, we'll say we, we just finished up. So I, luckily I didn't have to go through the pain of, you know, my kids making it to state and not being able to play and, yeah. and, and, and what that felt like. That was sucked for coaches. I mean, oh, you yeah. know, I, I witnessed at the college level, but man, you don't get high school back and there's something so right. important about your high school experiences. And I'm afraid we're going to lose football and fall sports and maybe next basketball season. If we don't get this thing under control. It's just awful. Right. It's awful. Yeah. Tell me about your job. Uh, it sounds a little bit nerdy, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, I, um, you know, I, I graduated with my MIS Management Information Systems degree, and it's interesting how I got into that because I didn't know anything going into it uh, about that degree. My mom, you know, she knew that I like computers and that I. Um, 
you know, I like game, video games and, and, and that type of thing. So I just said, you know, hey, let's do this on my Instagram. It pays pretty well, come out of college. Um, and so I, and I went into college knowing that that's what I was going to uh, get my degree in, even though I had no clue what it was. Um, and so <laughs> and luckily uh, she knew what she was talking about. She knew what she was doing. She did her research for me, so I didn't have to do it. Um, and so got out and then like sort of working in information technology. Um, you know, currently right now, I, uh, as a business analyst, I support our finance function. And so I work on, you know, IT projects um, that our finance function has um, as they're bringing forth, um, you know, projects for, for SAP or um, enterprise resource planning or, um, or other applications and, and systems. Uh, I'm kind of the middleman to help them get those going. So it's definitely, definitely nerdy, uh, definitely um uh, you know, sometimes I sit back and I sit, and you know, of course, being a, you know, coming out of college and playing basketball and, and coaching, you know, basketball, look, and I say, I'm an I'm an IT analyst. Can I believe that? You know, here's a good guy that, you know, my whole my whole mindset is sports and let's play and let's do this and that, and, and I'm sitting behind a desk and I'm uh, an IT analyst. So, uh, but I enjoy it. The company's really good. Uh, the people I work with are, are really good, and so that, that's that's what makes makes it fun and makes it good. It's so amazing because so many people go to school and they think they know what they want to do and they get in the real world and they're like, I don't want to do this and end up working on something different. And you, you got a degree and you weren't sure if this is what you wanted. And lo and behold, it was, that's kind of cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. It all, it's all worked out well. Um, I think, um, as I mentioned, been fortunate that you know the, the company that I work for in Phillips 66 allows me. You know, they, they give give money to the communities in which in which we're in, um, and and so being here in Bartlesville, they obviously give um, you know quite a bit, donate quite a bit to the high school around the STEM programs, um, uh, science, technology, and and uh, uh, math programs, and so. It helps, you know, having a company that understands how important the school is um, to, to the community and, you know, myself giving back my time uh, to get over there and coach young young men and, and young, young, you know, soon-to-be men, I guess, and teens uh, and help them grow up and help them learn, you know, the game of basketball. So being able to do both, I think, for me, has just been the, the best of both worlds. Growing up in Tulsa, did you think you'd end up back in Oklahoma? You know, I, I really didn't know, you know, my, my wife being from um, from Kansas City, um, you know, when I when I met her, uh, I was for sure we'd be in Kansas City, uh, at least by now, because you know that's her home uh, hometown, home state. And, and so, um, you know, I knew, I knew Tulsa or back kind of close in Oklahoma where it was a possibility, um, but it wasn't ever something that I said, you know, when I leave Kansas State, I want to go back to Oklahoma. It wasn't, wasn't one of those. It just kind of happened uh, naturally as, as I started interviewing for jobs. Um, and then things started working out. Um, you know, it's, I'd say it's all in God's plan. So uh, it's kind of worked naturally from that. Let's talk hoops. I, you know, in my profession, you deal with all kinds of personalities as coaches. But uh, I got to tell you, Jim Woldridge didn't win enough games, but he is one of the best people I've ever had to deal with in my life. He, that man was pure gold, at least from what I could see. What was it like playing for him? You know, and, and he really was. You know, when I go back and I think about, um, you know, why I chose Kansas State. And so when I came out, you know, I had uh, multiple colleges looking at me, obviously K-State being, being one. And actually that was my first official visit was to Kansas State. Um, you know, I took a visit to, to OU, um, unofficial, took a visit to, out to Stanford, took one to Vanderbilt. I had one for South Carolina lined up, um, you know, obviously Tulsa. And, you know, Coach, Coach Wooldridge was one of the biggest reasons, you know, why I chose Kansas State. And just, um, you know, when I went in and we talked to him, myself, my mom, my dad, 
Um, I, I felt like I was at home, right? And I felt like he assured my mom that, you know, he'd treat me as one of his own kids, you know, and um, anything that I needed, you know, middle of the night, whatever it was, um, you know, he, he'd be there to, to, help, to help me through that. And, um, you know, uh, just great, great, great guy. I mean, great, great coach. You know, obviously, I think when, when um, you know, Bob, Coach Huggins came in, you know, we were just kind of turning the corner with, with the guys that, that Wildridge obviously recruited with, with Cartier, um, you know, moving into his senior year and Lance moving into his senior year. And, um, you know, so I, I think he did a great job recruiting and we were kind of right there on the cusp, getting ready to turn the corner. Um, then obviously Huggins, you know, took us to, to that next level. But I love Coach Wilders. I actually talked to him just recently, um, right before all the COVID stuff came down. Uh, uh, Coach uh, Jimmy Elgis was in town, so his team was playing. They actually played their their uh, conference tournament that was played here in Bartlesville. And so um, I had a chance to – I know Coach Wilders was keeping tabs on, on how Coach Elgis' team was doing. And uh, John Smallwood, who was one of our managers during that time, called up Coach Wilders, and I got to talk to him on the phone for a few minutes. Uh, so that, that was really good just to reconnect and, and talk about life. And, and things, so I'm, I'm glad he's doing well too. Man, those are some good memories. All those names you just listed off. Where's Jimmy coaching? Um, Henderson State. I had to think of it. Yeah, <laughs> Henderson State. So yeah, the, the division, uh, division two over in Arkansas. I believe it's might be his third or fourth year there. Um, and so he's he's come back. And so they play their conference tournament in Bartlesville each and every year. This is the last year they're going to have it in Bartlesville. Um, but I've got a chance to see him. I think two or three years in a row now. Uh, over from Henderson State. I have good memories of that whole crew. They were such good people to work with. And one of my, oddly, one of my favorite memories as a sports writer was um, the day that you guys lost in Dallas at the Big 12 tournament. The media all gathered in Jim's suite over at the Galleria, I think it was. And he sat down. He said, guys, I'm, I'm off the clock. And he mixed a scotch and he sat down and he goes, Bring it on. I've been fired. You know, <laughs> it was just so great. I mean, it was like he handled it with such grace and, and just so Jim, you know, just so Jim. Yeah, 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 that, that, that is him. So that's, that's why I haven't heard that story. So that's good. Yeah, he, uh, and, you know, when Kansas State played at, uh, I think it was the Rose Bowl against uh, UCLA, he showed up and he and his wife were out in the people spotted him in the stands in their K-State stuff. And this is great. I mean, just, that's good. It's great. But boy, I, making the transition from Jim Wildridge to Bob Huggins had to be a little shock to the system. <laughs> it, it definitely was, you know, and, and, and coach Huggins, you know, coming from Cincinnati at the time, you know, we had no clue, um, no, no clue what, what was about to happen. <laughs> so, uh, when he, when he came in and, you know, I sat down in that first meeting and, um, you know, told us that, that we better get ready. You know, we thought we were ready, but we, we didn't have any idea. Um, and, and, you know, he brought in a defensive philosophy and a, and a mindset and a, and a confidence, I think, um, you know, for, for all of us, um, that, that we could go get it done. You know, and uh, we, we played that way, obviously, the, the year that he was there. I mean, from a defensive standpoint, it was make everything tough, pressure defense on the line, up the line, uh, get in, get in the guys, you know, um, for some uh, for some baseline, uh, maybe talk a little a uh, little trash talk while you're at it. Uh, and, and, and really, you know, that, that pressure, constant pressure, that constant mentality of we're going to bring it on the defensive end um, was something that even now as I, um, you know, as I've become a coach and, and teaching my kids, there, there are a lot of things I take away from a defensive standpoint that I learned from, from Coach Huggins. Um, and so it was a different philosophy. Um, obviously, he's been successful everywhere he's went. Um, and, and for, you know, him to, you know, take – 
you know, players that he didn't necessarily recruit, you know, so I'm sure, you know, he can look at me and say, I might not be the prototypical recruit that he would have to kind of play his defensive philosophy, but um, to, to get myself and all of all the other guys to buy into it and then to play as hard as we could on that end of the floor, um, you know, as a testament to, to his ability as, as a coach and, and how great he is at doing that. I remember when he arrived and everyone nationally was just dwelling on all of his you know, the bad personality traits and the things he'd gone through. And I thought I was going to encounter a demon. And, yeah, he's intimidating, but he's a heck of a guy. He was really fun to cover. Um, and because he is what he is. And and it reflects in how he handles himself, how he speaks, and how his teams play. His teams, if you could define Bob Huggins by a style of basketball, it would be exactly what he puts on the court. It's really fascinating. Yeah. Exactly. That, that, that toughness, that let's, let's go do it attitude. Um, you know, it's interesting because, you know, a lot of people they talk about it and, and obviously I know coaching is changing over time and um, the way we have to handle players is obviously changing on, on a year by year basis. And some players, um, you know, I'm big in, you know, certain players respond differently depending on, uh, you know, how you tell them things or what you're telling them to do or how you get onto them. Um, but, you know, he, he brought that toughness. And uh, I think that's something that, you know, no matter how much he gets on guys, one thing that they all say they will do is they all will run through a wall for him, mm -hmm. you know, and he brings that, you know, and so and that, that's, that's amazing. You know, when you really think about, you know, I can remember back the practices and how hard the practices were, you know, but the mentality of, uh, you know, if you can get through practice, you, the game's going to be easy, you know, and, um, even even our shoot arounds, you know, and you think about shoot. Okay, shoot around. You don't want anybody to get hurt, right? Uh, don't don't get hurt. You know, get a couple shots up. You know, uh, and, and you know, uh, make sure we feel good for the no shoot arounds. were like practice. They're, we're going full speed. Uh, you know, taking charges, yelling at each other. I mean, just the intensity of, of things. Um, uh, you know, that that's what he brings, and uh, and it was fun. You know, and, and obviously it, it translated onto the court and the winning. And winning is fun, and so um, it was it was definitely a fun time, and I. I Enjoyed, enjoyed playing for How badly did you guys get screwed out of the NCAA tournament that year? Oh, well, that was the toughest. Yeah. Um, I, rem I, I remember us all together as a team sitting in a restaurant and, uh, you know, with the expectation that, that we were going to, um, you know, make the NCAA tournament. And, of course, for, for guys like, as I mentioned, Cartier and, and Lance, um, yeah, you know, guys have been there for four years. And here we are, you know, they're their last chance to, to, to make it to the NSA tournament. And, you know, we're feeling pretty good. We went in as the four seed. We beat uh, um, Texas Tech, who was the five seed. You know, we beat them in the tournament. And, you know, we played a tough game against KU and ended up losing that. But we felt really good. And there's no team that has won, you know, 20-plus games. And Mick finished fourth in a, you know, a, a big, uh, big conference uh, standing that has not made the tournament. And, of course, there's no team that this has ever happened to. And then here we are now South. We're the first team that this is, this has happened to. Yeah. So um, it, it was, it was definitely tough. Um, you know, and I feel for those guys, you know, I, obviously I was lucky enough that, you know, the following my senior year, able to make it to the NCAA tournament. So I was able to say I, I had that experience. Um, but I know those guys definitely wanted that experience too. That coaching staff was something else. And I guess really the first guy you would encounter would be Scott Greenwald, the strength and conditioning coach. <laughs> he he kind of changed the tone a little bit, didn't he? Oh, Scott. So um, I'll tell you, I, I, I didn't even know that I could have 
neck muscles the way I had neck neck muscles until Scott came around. Um, you know, it was it was amazing. Um, you know, just the transformation he can do on uh, on athletes' bodies. You know, through the strength and conditioning work. Um, you know, and things I've never heard or seen before. As I mentioned, I mean, we did manual manual resistance for our neck. You know, where someone's holding our head down and we're pulling our head up. You know, to get our neck stronger. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> what is going on here? I'm getting a strong neck. You know, and so. Uh, but he, he just he brought a like I said, just uh, a different approach and a different way of doing things. And um, I know for me personally, that summer when when, they, when he came in, um, but then you know that two, three months, my body transformed tremendously. Um, and so uh, it's things, as I mentioned, you know, still take away to the day. I actually reached out to him right before um, kind of all this COVID stuff ha- happened because I was looking at some things that we could do at the high school level that, you know, obviously they're doing over in South Carolina now. Um, so unfortunately, we haven't been able to do much with, 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 with the pandemic, but uh, he's still, I mean, he's, he's still going at it. And, and uh, I'm sure those guys in South Carolina are, are feeling sore uh, working with him each and every day. So <laughs> he's got him, got him, got him strong, got him going. Still got that strong neck, buddy. <laughs> That's just yeah. weird. <laughs> I don't anymore. I haven't done that since, but I have taught. So I, I have a nephew and, and obviously now, you know, coaching, I, I've, I've showed kids like here's some manual resistance stuff that we had to do in college. So uh, it, it's a different level, you know, it's, it's a different level. Level and you know the high school level we lift and, and condition, but it, it's nowhere near what what the guys do at the college level and obviously at the pro level. So, yeah. uh, how cool was it to see Cartier just kind of find a career and make his way to the NBA and really earn it? He turned into quite a player. He did, you know, and, and I know he he bounced around to several different teams, but he stayed in the NBA and um, you know he. Uh, his ability to shoot the basketball, uh, man, I, not, you know, just Cardi as a person, you know, I, I love you know, having the opportunity to play with him and get to uh, know him over, you know, three years at Kansas State. It's obviously he's a year older than me um, and, and just a really, really good person. And so to see him put in the work that he put in, you know, you think about his senior year, um, you know, Bob, Coach Huggins comes in. Uh, Bill Walker, you know, com- comes in and all of a sudden Cartier, who's, who's our best player, is coming off the bench as our sixth, sixth man, you know, and mm-hmm. for him to buy into that, you know, and, and at the at the Big 12 level where, you know, hey, I'm the best player. I don't know, what do you mean I'm coming off the bench, you know, and uh, for him to buy into to the system and to, and to buy into what, what Coach Huggins was, was trying to do um, and still knowing that he was going to get his opportunity if he continued to work hard, it uh, wasn't going to hurt, you know, his, his NBA prospects. Uh, you know, that, that goes back to show you know who he is as, as a person, and, and that's why I think he you know was able to play in the NBA and, and play on multiple teams and you know multiple years is because you know he didn't have an excuse mentality. You know, and his mentality is you know, go in and uh, you know whatever is asked of me, I'm going to go in, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability, and uh, that, that's what you know, I think. That's why he's been able to you know obviously play basketball as long as he has. So that, that's awesome for him. Okay, coach, explain to me what Coach Huggins philosophy was behind putting Cartier Martin on the bench to start the game? So, so one, you know, also we had Bill Walker come in and, um, you know, Bill's versatility um, and his athleticism was something that we know we wanted to utilize right from the beginning of the game. Um, you think about, you know, Bob Hug, Coach Huggins was really big on, um, you know, if we can bring someone off the bench 
Now, usually when you go to your bench, you know, right, there's a little bit of depth, from right. the, you know, on the bench. Um, of course, at the NBA level, you know, they have guys that are glorified six men like Jamal Crawford, um, you know, that that's their role. They come in and they, they produce starters numbers. And so the, the philosophy was to kind of take that NBA mentality and uh, bring Cartier off the bench gave us the strongest sixth man probably in the in the NCAA uh, in, in college basketball, um, you know, a guy that can come in and obviously average, you know, 19, 20 points off the bench. Um, you know, so we went to the bench, you know, normally that's when there might be, um, you know, the team, the opposing team were playing, they might be substituting some of their bench players in. And now you have Cartier who's fresh, ready to go and has a bunch of energy. He's playing against, you know, someone who uh, maybe also just got in but doesn't have the talent that he has, right? And so, um, you know, bringing him off and having that scoring threat right from the get-go and allowed Bill to kind of get into the flow of the game early on. And then with Bill being younger, he kind of needed more, you know, let's get into the flow of it where Cartier had a little bit more experience and could kind of just throw him in there and he's ready to make a shot and ready to go. Um, you know, so, so that was a lot of the philosophy is um, utilizing his strengths and giving us a punch, you know, right, right when he came in, you know, as a sixth man. And then from that, you always could bring him in at any point in time, right? If you, if you want to bring him in after two minutes, you could. If you wanted to wait, you know, four or five minutes, you could. And so you kind of fill the game out and say, you know, when, when's the right time to, to let him come in? And as soon as he came in, it, we knew what we were doing and, uh, you know, we were getting him, getting him some shots to get him going. So, uh, you know, he bought into it, which is good. I can't imagine the mutiny you would face as a high school coach if you took your best player and made him your sixth man. You would have parents <laughs> visiting your home at 1 a.m. But Bob you know, Huggins can get away with it. He can, you know, when you, when you have... When you have the uh, the success that he's already had, um, I, I think you can do just about anything. So, yeah, at the high school level, and um, it's it's a little bit tougher, a little bit tougher to do that because I know my my best players, uh, you know, they're, they're they're probably playing. You know, we, we play 32 minutes. If I could play them 33, I'd be playing them 33. Right. So it's uh, they don't come out very much, you know. They're, so we kind of substitute young. around them as needed. Exactly. They're young. They can do it. Then you got a year in under Frank, uh, and again another shock to the system uh you always kind of knew where you stood with frank <laughs> <laughs> oh I, I you know I, I was i was very fortunate because um you know one one thing about frank and frank was obviously cut from uh from the Huggins, bob Huggins, coach Huggins cloth and um you know, so some of the mentality he brought over uh, was the same from a defensive standpoint. I think offensively, um, but a little bit more kind of motion and flow into you know a secondary type of offense, a flow into secondary, um, into our motion. And of course, we you know having you know Michael Beasley uh, made things easy for me as a point guard. If I didn't know what to do with it, just throw him the ball and he can he can get a shot up. So <laughs> they made my job easy at times. Like, wait, what player are we calling? Oh, just get get it to Mike. Okay, I got you. You know, um, but. You know, one one thing one one thing with Frank um, is Frank truly, you know, loves the players. Um, truly, you know, will do anything for the players. And I say I had it fortunate. You know, myself being a senior. Uh, he knew that, you know, I kind of already knew what I needed to do. You know, if I messed up, it was like, come on, Sue, you know, you know what you got to do. You got to do better. Um, luckily, I wasn't, you know, Jacob Pullen at the time because Jacob as a freshman, you know, um, I think Frank was a little bit harder on him as a freshman, probably twofold. One, he knew he had a lot of potential and knew he was going to be you know, one of the best players to ever, ever come through K-State. Um, and, but, but two, you know, he, he's a freshman. And so he hadn't played, you know, college basketball, hadn't been in, in college coaching yet. Um, and then so, so when Jacob messed up, it was, it was 
it was a little bit harder on him than he was uh, with me. I could throw the same turnover that Jacob did, and it's you, you got it, Stu. Come on, you know what you got to do. And Jacob throws like, Jacob, what are you doing? Oh, you know. <laughs> so uh, I, I was fortunate that I was I was a little bit more experienced, a little bit older at that point in time. Uh, but but as you see, I think I think it worked out, you know, fabulously for for Jacob and obviously the career that he had um, at Kansas State. Um, I'm sure he wouldn't take any of that back. So nope. it was great. Nope. And what a coaching staff. You know, you stop and look at it now. You know, I, I did Frank Martin early in the series of podcasts I've been doing here since the pandemic. And, you know, he mentioned Delonte probably would be a head coach if not for his personal issues. But now everyone else on that staff is a head coach. And you got Underwood yeah. and Figure, and it's just incredible. It's uh, absolutely amazing what that staff has turned out to be. It really is, you know. When you're when you're in it, um, you know, you know you have good coaches, but um, obviously there's no way you can predict that you know all of them are going to go on and, and be head coaches or have opportunity to be head coaches uh, in other spots. And so it really just shows, um, you know, the guys that that Coach Huggins put around him and then the guys that Coach Martin put around put around himself. You know, they put around the best guys. You know, and that, that's what it really shows is they put around you know guys that other programs are looking at as you know we want them to run our program. You know. Um, so that that's um, that's a testament to them and putting great people around them. Hey, it's Fitz. Let's hit the pause button right here and take a little break. CBS Sunday after the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker, CBS season finale Sunday after The Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. What was it like to play with Michael Beasley? You know, um, gosh, it, uh, as I mentioned, it, it really made my job easy. Um, you know, as, as a point guard and then the person, um, you know, bringing the bat. Obviously, when Jacob wasn't in the game, I was the point guard, so I had to manage those duties when Jacob was. Um, either I wasn't in the game or I, I moved over to the two guard. Um, but having the opportunity to, um, you know, have a guy as talented as Michael was and, um, you know, his ability to finish around the rim, his ability to step out and shoot it. Um, you know, he, I mean, still, if you look at the numbers that he put up, you know, that one year, um, I mean, they they match up with any one one and done player ever. You know, mm-hmm. as far as twenty six points and twelve rebounds and uh, you know, probably one or two blocks. I mean, um, it, it was a lot of fun, and it made my job it made my job a lot of fun. And uh, the, the thing about it was teams knew coming in they had to stop Michael Beasley yet they still could not stop no. Michael Beasley you know and uh, so it was a fun year um, you know uh, I think the best thing about Mike is even with the success that he had at that point in time obviously at, at Kansas State um, he was he was a kid I mean he, he was he was he was just a um, you know he, he was a guy uh, you probably remember talking about Spongebob all, all the, the time all the uh, time. <laughs> you, know, um, um, you know the interviews you, you know had with him after the game I mean, just hilarious. You know, he's just, he's just, he was a kid, yep. you know, and so he, he didn't, he didn't, you know, he didn't let 
you know, the success really, you know, get to his head. Um, you know, uh, the, the one time I like telling this story because people say, you know, oh, playing with Mike, it had to be terrible. You know, he had to be just a jerk. And they're like, no, it's actually just the opposite. And I said, Here, here's the story I like to tell people is when he came on his visit. And his mom, you know, his mom came and uh, his late mother, obviously she passed away um, just recently, last few years. But she came on his visit and she's sitting in the stands and we're playing, you know, we're, we're getting up and down pickup basketball. And um, he makes a shot and he starts, you know, talking, talking some trash talk, talking some mess. I don't remember what he said. But he said a couple of choice words, of course, at that point in time. And his mom's sitting in the stands. She stands up and she yells, Michael, don't you ever say that, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Just yells at him in front of, and this is in front of everybody now. The whole team is there. We don't really know her. We don't even really know Mike at this point in time, right? We know he's coming here and, you know, he's supposed to be the number one player in the, in the nation at the high school level and, and that, but we don't really know who he is. And she stands up and just tells him, you better not, you know, this, that, and the other. The rest of the time, he did not say one word the rest of the time. And it was like, from that point on, it was just like, I mean, you could tell that his mother raised him right, <laughs> you know, and just, yeah. hey, you, you play basketball and you do your thing. You don't need to, you know, you don't need to tell everybody about it, you know, have fun doing it um, and compete doing it. Um, but uh, he really respected his mom and you saw the respect that he had um, for, for his mother, which was amazing. I mean, it, it was amazing that she stood up in front of everybody and just, you know, yelled at him. And then from then on, it was just like SpongeBob and, and, yeah. and missing microphones or something, <laughs> you know, so it, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed playing with him. Oh, Fatima. I, I remember sitting in a post-game interview and someone put the first iPhone Mike had ever seen up there to record the the interview and he was just fascinated with the iPhone. He was picking it up like it was alien technology just, and, and the wonderment, just that, that childlike wonderment that Michael always had with stuff. It was just hysterical. It was so funny. Yes. So yes. funny. I just saw recently a, a video of him playing pickup against some really good players and just schooling them. I mean, yeah. these guys are probably, you know, former, they're certainly former college players, if not in the league and other pro ranks. But he's shooting yeah. that ridiculous fadeaway where his body's almost at a 45-degree angle, you know, and it's just impossible yeah. to block. I don't care how tall or how much you can jump. He's going to get it up over you. Um, and the things he could do, his body control, his his point of release being so disciplined, he always kind of knew where it was coming from. And it was just it was amazing to watch. He's the best college basketball player I've ever seen. And I've seen some really good ones in, in covering the Big 12 and honestly covering Kansas. But Mike was beyond beyond any of them because he could just do it against anyone, anytime. And when he got going, it was it was like art. It was just beautiful to watch. Yeah, he was he's unstoppable, you know, and, and, and that, that's what was, was fun about him. And his, his down games, you know, there's a stretch where he was getting like 40 points and 20 rebounds. And, you know, he has a game of, of you know, 20, 22 points or 20, 24 points and, you know, 11 rebounds. You're like, oh, that's a down game. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sort of thinking I've never had 24 points and 11 <laughs> rebounds, you know, uh, it's just, just amazing. You know, the, the talent, the talent that he has, that he had and that he still has, you yeah. know, and um, even as, you know, going overseas and, and playing, playing, in China and he's, you know, the MVP of their league and you know, scoring 50 points in the all-star game over there. I mean, just, um, you know, unbelievable talent. And I remember seeing when he was drafted by Miami and I was like, Oh no. Oh, Oh no. <laughs> if there's ever a guy that needed 
Minnesota or, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Someplace really generic. But Miami, as I told people at the time, I was a grown-ass man, and I couldn't take going to Miami. I'd probably go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, 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 is, that is it. That is true. So Bless his heart. Uh, he, he's such a good soul. And he's, he's oh, literally yeah. like, I mentioned art. He's almost like an artist. He just hears his own beat, does his own thing. Um, goofy, but kind-hearted. He really means well. He's just, he's in his own world. Exactly. Exactly. Let's shift to some more serious stuff. I, about three weeks ago, was it? You posted something on Facebook about, um, you know, part of the Black Lives Matter and everything going on. And it really hit a nerve with me because, um, you know, you're, 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 I'm just going to say this. You're a special guy. You always were. You're, you're kind. You're loving. Everyone I don't I don't remember ever hearing a bad thing about you and having you speak up that you've had incidents of racism and uh, really hit a chord with me. You know, I don't know why nobody should go through it. I don't care if if they're not likable, they shouldn't go through it. But it just it hit a nerve with me. And I appreciate you posting that so much. What motivated you to do it? Yeah, well, I think it's, um, you know, for me, you know, and I. I I think there's a misconception of, you know, you look at someone like myself who's, you know, been been blessed and had, you know, a fortunate opportunity um, to, uh, one, I had great parents, you know, who obviously um, weren't together and stayed together through, through you know, my mom passing away and uh, who raised me the right way. Um, and to, you know, being able to, to go to college and obviously get a good degree, get it paid for by playing the sport of basketball, um, and, and then coming out of that and then having, um, you know, a good job and, uh, being fortunate enough to also coach and, and, and people, you know, you look at that and the misconception of, you know, well, certainly, you know, he's never had any, any issues. Um, you know, he's done all the right things or, um, you know, and, and, and done them the American way and he's you know, providing for his family and, and things are great for him, um, which is true. You know, I, I can't, I can't fault, I can't say anything bad about, um, you know, how blessed I've been to, to, to be where I, where I am today. Um, but, you know, uh, I think what people fail to realize is even, you know, those that are in my situation or, you know, even, you know, said NBA athletes, right, who are making millions of dollars and, you know, you know, everyone loves, you know, loves them and they want their autograph. And when they see them, they want to take pictures. Um, it, it doesn't uh, paint the full picture of what those individuals have been through or have seen, you know, within their life. And so for me, I, I knew my stance as a basketball coach and in the community that I'm in, um, like since about a 30,000, 30,000 people community in, in Bartlesville, um, I have a lot of kids, um, that I know look up to me. I have a lot of kids that I keep in contact with even after I'm done coaching them. Um, you know, and, and I've had an opportunity to meet a lot of people, um, so I felt like, um, you know, and I don't get big into, you know, politics one way or the other, Republicans, Democrats, I don't get big into that. I know kind of where I stand on things and policies and what I believe. Um, but, you know, I thought it was an opportunity for myself to just share some of my feelings and some of my thoughts and some of my experiences, um, you know, when, when, it, when it comes to, you know, things that I've seen um, as far as discrimination or race or, or, or you know, racist things within within our country that, um, you know, obviously we want to get away from, you know. And um, so, uh, you know, I thought if I could share that, you know, not not only for the um, the black community, but for, you know, the white community, for the Asian community, for the Hispanic community, uh, I mean, just kind of sharing 
here's some things that have happened to me. Here's what I kind of think, you know, as, as a kid. Here's how we move forward as, as a country and as a nation. Um, you know, and it starts with us. Number one, we got to recognize that yes, there is, uh, you know, racism in America and in everywhere in the world there is racism. Um, and so, if we can recognize that, um, then it becomes. So, what are we going to do to um, try to drive um, those tendencies or drive those actions out of um, out of the world, not out of our country? And and for us to do that, you know, it starts with each and every one of us, you know, people say, oh, I can't, I don't know what I, what I can do. Well, the, the very first thing you can do is if you have kids, you can teach your kids. I mean, that's the very first thing because they're going to be the future of, of you know, the next generation and the future of our country. And so if you're teaching your kids the wrong thing um, or you're not teaching them at all and you're expecting someone else to teach them, you don't know what they're going to learn from somebody else. And so if there's nothing else you can do is teach your kids. If you look at, you know, in a broader scale, if you're, if you're touching more kids than just your own or you're touching community members uh, more than just the ones that are there right next to you, um, you know, be able to, to teach them, be able to stand up, be able to tell them it's okay to stand up. It's okay to tell somebody that's not right. It's okay to say, you know, you shouldn't say that. It's okay um, to, to stand with people um, that, that want to do the right thing. And I think, you know, people say, well, you know, uh, it's uncomfortable, you know, but if you don't speak up, then you know, you got to be on some side of the fence. If you don't speak up, you end up being on the same side of fences that, that you, uh, you're you okay with with the situation, right? And so um, being able to speak out and express understanding that there's a new generation or younger generation coming, they're learning from the older generation, um, and we have an obligation to make sure that when we when we leave this earth, whether however old or young we are, that next generation is, is well-prepared um, to continue uh, the fight, to continue pushing us forward as, you know, as a country um, to, to better things. And their obligation is obviously to pass that down to their kids and their grandkids. And eventually, if we continue to do that, we have all made a mark in making our country the best that it can be and helping our country move forward, you know, not forget the past, but being able to, to understand what our past was and be able to move forward to a brighter future. Um, and, and it takes everyone, you know, so, and it hurts me when I hear people say, oh, I can't, I can't do anything. No, you, you can't do something. Mm -hmm. And it might not happen in your lifetime, but if you start planting seeds, eventually those seeds will grow. And when we're gone, those seeds have been planted. And guess what? Eventually we will see our country in a world and a generation that, that there's no more racism and, um, and things are the way they should, they, they need, they should be. And so, uh, it's, it's up to us. You know, as a 56-year-old white guy, it's impossible for me to understand that you go places and when you walk in the room, all you are is the black man in the room. And, you know, I, I can't wrap my mind around that because I've never been through that. And in fact, I've walked in rooms with all black people and I've never been treated like, you know, that there's anything wrong. I've, I've been yeah. amazed by that. I've had a I had a friend post on Facebook, a high school friend, and, and uh, she, white, married a black guy, and she goes, you know, I've never walked in a room filled with whites or filled with blacks and not been stared at, for whatever reason. And I'm like, I can't I, I can't know that pain. I can try to understand, but I can't know that, you know, having that discomfort of people's eyes on you simply because of who you are or who you're with, and it just. It makes me so sad. It just it really does because it's so far from my thinking. Yeah, yeah, and and and, and I'll be honest. And this is where I think um, people get confused. Is, is um, I, I I agree. It's so far 
you know, as you mentioned, from your thinking. And I think, and I can't put a percentage on it, but there's a lot of, you know, obviously there's a lot of people that that is so far from their thinking. And that's, that's great. I think that's great. I think it's the ones where it's not far from the thinking. Those are the ones we have to change. Right. And so, um, you know, for me, obviously being in an interracial um, relationship, I'm aware of, of certain things. And, and my wife never, you know, really wasn't as much aware as, as, as I was, um, but I've had like, a few different experiences. Um, but at the same time, I, you know, I don't, I don't walk into a situation looking for something like, oh, I'm looking for these people to be, you know, treat me a certain way or, or, or not, right? And I walk in, I treat everyone the same way. I expect everyone to treat me the same way. Um, but I am just kind of aware of my surroundings. Or if I see something, you know, okay, uh, I know, I notice that, you know, that that's kind of happening. Um, but it's, you know, I, I hope, you know. When we, what we get to is, is what you just mentioned is, like I said, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're white, doesn't matter if you're black, doesn't matter if you're Asian, if it doesn't matter if you're Latino. Um, you, you know, you, you look at someone and you treat them um, by the way that they treat you. And if they're treating you with respect, um, you look at their character, they're doing the right thing. Um, but that's the only thing that, that, that you, you know, I say judge someone off of, right? It's yeah. just how they treat you and then how they're handling themselves. Um, and and, and, and that, that's what we want to get to, you know. And I, I think we've made, as a country, we've made obviously a lot of progress if you look to, to where our country was you know obviously before i was born you know, obviously you just mentioned your age you're, little, you're older than i am so you've seen you know more things within our in our country um you know and i think we made a lot of progress within you know the what since 18 you know 65 um to, to now in you know, almost 200 years 170 years whatever it might be and and you look at it another hundred years out you know where are we going to be you know in that point in time frame and, and you know i'm I can bet 99.9% that we're going to be way farther ahead and way better, you know, in a hundred years than what we are even today. And so it's, it's not that we're not making progress. I think it's, um, we got to just continue to continue the fight, continue to push, continue to make progress in, in the right avenues. And, um, you know, I am excited about, about the future and excited about our younger generation. You know, I was talking to my mother last night cause I'm a good, I'm a good son. I, I call her every Sunday. That's, that's about all that makes me a good son, but I do that. Uh, <laughs> Um, and I said, you know, it's it's amazing when I stop and think about it. Of course, I'm not conscious of it because I was so small, but I was born in 64. So that early phase of my life, we did move far forward. We got the Civil Rights Act. We had so much happen. Martin Luther King is still such a powerful figure in our uh, our nation and what he stood for um, and, and what happened to him. But we did take a, I don't want to say a leap, but a, a stride forward in that period of time. And I grew up in the 80s, 70s, 80s, and yeah, it was still around, but it was it was less than what it had been, and it's less now than it was. But I feel like this moment, we can take another step forward, another big stride forward that we did in the, the mid to late 60s and, and make this a better place because this is, this is bullshit. I mean, I'm just I'm, – I'm tired of it. I'm yeah. – you know, we're encountering it now with K-State, um, with a student who is – seems to be racially motivated and it, and it's really tearing us apart as a as a, a family in some ways and bringing us together as a family but um i i can't i don't i don't get the motivation of 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 why you dislike someone because of race religion or any other thing i i just can't stand stupid people and uh that crosses all lines and by god we're we're seeing a lot of them right now running around america whether it's racism or wearing a mask or whatever it is a lot of stupid people out there are on display and i wish they'd move they can move they can just go to their own country. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
definitely, you know, definitely is, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, I think for, for everyone to see, you know, this is, this is the beautiful thing. It's the, it's the beautiful thing about technology is, you know, things have been happening in our country, you know, but of course you don't record it. You don't have it on, you know, on a video and, uh, right. and now in technology, you know, people can see it in real time. Um, you know, even, even the disgusting things that have happened and obviously what happened to George Floyd and, you know, I'm a black, white, Hispanic, it doesn't matter. That shouldn't happen to anybody, right? Um, especially when the, the guy's already been detained. But the, the, the best thing about it is, is, as you mentioned now, with people being able, being able to see it, that's what triggers the things have to change, right? right? Because if you hear it, okay, I heard it, but I don't really know what that looks like. You know, okay, you kind of told me, you know, this happened and then, you know, people saw this, but is that really what happened? And by the time it goes from one person to the next, the next person, you know, it kind of gets watered down. Well, it wasn't really, you know, um, and so it's hard to really, you know, be that advocate and helping things change. But when, when you see it and you're there and everyone can see it. And so it's not just three or four people who are trying to advocate for that change. It's now millions that are saying this isn't right. And we we're, we're better than this as a country. We're better than this as individuals. That's what drives, drives change. And so, um, you know, it, it's very sad that it, it takes a tragic accident for, um, you know, for, for, for us to, to, like you mentioned, to stand up and say, Hey, we're better than this. But, um, I hope, you know, that, that, as you mentioned, this can help us take a, a big step and a big leap forward uh, within our society and within our country. Yeah, you know, I, I've got friends out in Colorado, and something like this happened in Aurora, Colorado last August, and it just kind of slipped by. But there's body camera footage, and the exact same thing happened to a young man that was doing absolutely nothing wrong. He was just... He fit the profile. Glenn, we know what the profile is. Black. Right. I mean, that's... Right. You know, the suspect was black. So the first black guy you see is apparently what gets pulled over or stopped. I, I don't understand it. I, um, again, I'm white. I can't wrap my mind around the reality of that. But uh, this poor guy was killed, too. I, I, why? Why is this happening? Why is anyone being killed while being detained? Not fighting for a gun, not not, but just calmly, you know, being detained. Why are they being killed? It's just it's it's unfathomable that it happens. And like you said, we now are seeing it. It happens, people. It happens. Yep. That's that's true. Well, that got heavy, man. Hey, uh this this stuff at K State right now, athletes are saying they're not gonna play. Um mm -hmm. you know, normally you I think fans would be like, Oh, shut up, student athletes, uh, go you know, just go play. <laughs> but they're not. K State yeah. fans are like, I'm with you, man. I get it. It's it's a it's really that is a huge change. I mean, most people are like, hey, I know we want our sports. Maybe it's because they know they won't have their sports, but right. but, but they're like, no, no, you're standing up for what's what you believe is right, and you've got an unsettling presence on campus that needs to be addressed. Whether that's kicking a guy out of school or something else, it needs to be addressed, and you're demanding it be addressed. And more power to you. You've got the power. Use it. Yeah, and I you know I think it's. Um you know, it's, it's amazing. As you mentioned, I think this is all kind of the, the domino effect of, of what we're seeing. And then people are not now not afraid to speak out and they're not afraid to be an advocate for change and not afraid to say this isn't right. Um, and then not just student athletes, but even community members, you know, banding with student athletes or banding together and, and then saying, you know, this isn't right. Um, and then so, um, 
you know, it's, it's one of those, those things. And this is what I love about it is I know, and, and you kind of mentioned my Facebook post. I said, you know, this, this, it's not a moment, right? We can't just say, okay, you know, let's all write a Facebook post and then let's, um, you know, let's talk about this for, for, for a few days or one week, right. or maybe wear a shirt for, for one day. Um, it's not a moment, it's a movement and it's, how do we do things differently, um, within our world? And so the ability now to say, Hey, if you're going to make racist comments, right. Or you're, you're going to stand for something that isn't right, or it isn't what the, the university stands by, um, you know, how can we correct that or how can we, you know, be uh, change, you know, make change for that. And so it's, 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 I mean, I, I love it, you know, and I know it's tough for those players. You know, obviously no player wants to actively say, I, I, I'm going to sit out, you know, I'm going to miss, I'm going to miss games or I'm going to like, no one wants, they, they want to play. They right. came there to play basketball, play basketball or play football, whatever it might be. Um, you know, and they came there to get their education, but it also just realizing that as you mentioned, this is a, a time that really can propel us forward um, and being able to take that right now and being able to use what's going on right now to really propel us into a better world um, is important, you know. And so for the student athletes to do that and for the, the community members, the fans and, and K-State faithful to, um, to obviously back them on that, um, you know, it's special. It's, it's really special because, as you mentioned, before this time, would we have seen that? I don't know, you know, and so um, it, it's a special time, and, and I think uh, it's really, really nice to see. Yeah, I had a buddy ask me, you know, what, what can I really do? And I said, well, first of all, you're in charge of yourself. We all do things. We may not be conscious of it, but it's time to be conscious that we did stare at the mixed race couple, or we did, you know, you maybe don't realize you're doing it, but it's time to realize you're doing it. You're in charge of yourself, but if you're around your family or friends or even a stranger who says something inappropriate, it's time to stop being that cop that watches the other cop do something bad. It's time for exactly. you to say, no, man, that ain't cool. That is not cool. Let's just stop that. Let's, just, let's end this right here because I'm not going to let you do that. That's what we can do. And one by one, we can start to win this battle because uh, it, the more we can isolate the true racist and kind of get the racist tendencies out of otherwise good people that may not realize that it's not funny. It's not the jokes aren't aren't cool or whatever they're doing. We can move forward and let's isolate the real true racists and, and uh, let them go sit in a corner and be themselves. If they want to have those opinions, we're not going to change their opinions, uh, but we don't have to put up with them. As go, go, go to your go to your mountain and, or your hill or your your holla and live in it. I don't care. Just get away from me. Uh, uh, yep, I, I definitely like that. You know, and, well, one one of the the biggest things. So I've, I have a mentor here in Bartlesville uh, by the name of Ron Tribble, and I coached Ron's son uh, for a few years when I first you know came to Bartlesville on the AAU basketball level, um, and he worked for Phillips sixty six for for quite a while. He's now retired, um, but um, had a chance to talk with him recently, and you know, one of the things that he told me is, you know, he's, he's probably seven or so years old. And so he obviously talked about the civil rights movement. And he said, you know, one of the big things is he said, we did this, you know, with the protests and the marches and, and things like we did this, you know, back then, you know, and he can remember it. He, he was young, but he remembers it all. He said that the, the biggest difference, he said, and this is how you know that, that we're moving forward and that we can move forward. He said the biggest difference is when we did it back then, it was, you know, 90% or more the black community 
right? Doing the marches and protesting and then things. And he said, now you look at the protests that have been going on in the marches. And he said, and you look out there and you see that it's probably maybe 50-50. And a lot of, here in Bartlesville, we had one and it was, I mean, there were probably maybe 20 to 30 percent black and 70 percent white you know and he said so he said you see the difference um and he said that's what's beautiful now is that um you you know you have both black and white races right coming together and saying this isn't right and so we have to make we have to make a change not you know not the black community needs to make change or the white community maybe we have to make a change you know and um, th- that's what it comes down to. And so, as you mentioned, if, as we can, we can drive out the, the racism and then the people that want to be, you know, be racist, we got to let them know they're not welcome. Um, um, and then that's how we get things done. Awesome. I wish, uh, if I had kids, I'd want you to coach them. It's, uh, <laughs> of course, uh, my kids probably wouldn't be good enough to play for you, but then, you know, Hey, <laughs> Hey, it's okay. <laughs> Hey, they can, they can make a shot. No, I can, I can, I can, one, one or two things. Either they can make an outside shot or they can play defense. You can get on the court. One of the, one of those two ways. <laughs> I could, I could do that. It's just, I, I can't really, I, I really wasn't too interested in the rebounding and defense part, but boy, I there you go. Great, outside shot. great to talk to you, man. It's great to talk to you. I'm glad you're doing so well. And it's been really cool to just see you jump into a, a career and just kind of put your roots down. It's been pretty fun it's nice well good uh, i definitely appreciate you having me on and uh, anytime I, I, I enjoy enjoy talking enjoy uh you know obviously talking about things that are going on in our world or about k-state yeah. basketball football and all things k-state still bleed purple yeah so. absolutely if uh, you're in town you let me know all right sounds good Excellent. thank you very much thank you take care Clint is and always has been all class. This podcast has helped me reconnect with so many special people just like him. I guess the best summary of this episode is let's try to be as good to our fellow humans as Clint Stewart would be. It's not a moment. It's a movement that put it so well. Finally, men 45 and older, go get your PSA scored. I say it every episode. I hope it's making a difference. It's a simple blood test that aids in the early detection of prostate cancer. Take care, everyone. I'll talk to you real soon. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.